Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter number 29, starting at verse number one, and then we'll jump to verse four and go down to verse 11. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. You need a little time to find it, say, I need some time. All right. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priest, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophelying. No, I'm in the text. It says they're prophesying lies. That's prophelying. They're prophelying to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now let's go to the one that's on your graduation card that y'all all know. <laughs> for I know... <laughs> The plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Can you say amen? amen. It's all good. I don't even know what to pick from. But let's hone in on verse number seven. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the... Of the... Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, it being the city. Because if it prospers, it being the city, you too will prosper. I want you to pray for the peace and prosperity of you. Pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. If the city prospers, then you will prosper. Ooh, I can't wait to fill in this blank today. Some of y'all are going to be mad about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bible. I want to fill in the blank today on Vision Sunday by letting you know God loves Dallas. Period. God Love. I'm from Atlanta. I don't care. God loves that. I'm from Detroit. Okay. God loves Dallas. Period. Well, let's put a comma. Let's take away the comma. God loves Dallas Cowboys. Come on. God loves that. Look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and say, oh, neighbor. 
I'm ready for this word. Look at your other neighbor, the one you ignore. Say, other neighbor. I hope you know God loves Dallas. Now give them some praise like we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Father, have your way. Speak today. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Can we make some noise for all the inmates who are watching this message on Pando right now? We love you. God loves Dallas. Today is a first for our church community because we are calling today Vision Sunday. This is our very first Vision Sunday, but hear me very clearly, this will not be our last Vision Sunday. Because you need to understand that the church you are sitting in today was officially launched in 2021, Easter 2021, about 300 people in the service. And here we are in 2023 at Fair Park Coliseum with over 3,000 people in church. Now, I'm not good at math. I excelled in lunch at school, but I don't know what percentage increase that is, but that's, that's, that's a lot. Hence the reason for Vision Sunday. Because at the pace and the speed in which our church is growing, I felt it was incumbent upon us to pause for a moment. And first of all, just thank the Lord for all that he has done. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. We also need to pause and bring some clarity as to what we are doing here and why we gather and what we are all about. Like for real, what are we about here today? I hope you did not come in here today because you think this church is about you singing a bunch of songs off the screen while you watch a worship leader and get the lyrics on the side like it's Christian karaoke and then just sit down on your blessed assurance and hear me give a nice little 35 minute TED talk so you can walk out of here and go, oh, I'm inspired, let's do it again next week. I hope you don't think that's what this church is about. We have to clarify the why behind the what. And not only that, we have to cast vision for what is to come next year. That's why we're having Vision Sunday. And I know some of you might be mad about it. Maybe you're disappointed. You're like, oh, come on, Pastor Robert. I didn't come here for all that. What, this going to be a church business meeting? Come on, man. I came to get a word. I'm going through. To you, I would say, maybe you don't need another word. Maybe you don't need another sermon. Maybe you don't need another song. Maybe you don't need another podcast. Maybe you need a vision. A vision for your life. A vision that is bigger than you. Maybe what you really need is a vision of your preferred future. I know it's our vision Sunday, but I'm wondering, have you had a vision Sunday? Because maybe the reason you are where you are is because you have never gotten a vision for your future. Ladies and gentlemen, few things are more powerful and critical than having a vision. Vision is the ability to see farther than your eyes. Vision is not about sight. As a matter of fact, vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. It is the thing that will keep you up at night. It is the thing that you don't have yet, but there's something on the inside of you that has the strange suspicion that you're about to step into it. It's a preview of a coming attraction. One writer said that vision is when frustration with what is 
creates passion for what could be. Ooh, that was so good. I'm going to rewind to you, give it to you again. Vision is when frustration with what is creates passion for what could be. Hear me, every single person sitting in the State Fair Arena watching this message online, you need a vision. You need a vision for your life. You need a vision for the marriage that you want to have. You need a vision for the children that you want to raise. You need a vision for the business that you want to have. You need a vision for what you want to do with the resources and the gifts and the talents God has given you. You need a vision for your life. You need a, you need a vision for who you want to be in your physicality. You need a vision for your health. You need a vision for your future. You need a vision. Some of y'all are like, hold on. I, I didn't know I needed a vision for all that. You, you do. You, you need a vision for all of that because hear me, vision will determine your decisions. Your vision will determine your decisions. A vision lets you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. There's some of you who have so many decisions in front of you and the reason you're struggling to make a decision is because you have not brought clarity to the vision for your life and I'm trying to tell you the moment you get clarity on vision you'll know what decision to make. You'll know what door to walk through. You'll know what opportunity to say thank you but I can't do that right there. That's not in alignment with my vision. You'll know who you're supposed to date and what text to respond to when you get the clarity of a vision. Vision determines your decision. Hear me there are few things more beautiful than being restricted by a vision. Have you ever been restricted by a vision? It's like I wanted to do it, but I, I can't. I'm restricted by a vision. It's like, hey, hey, can you stay in late at the office today? Come on, can you stay in late at the office today? We got to get this work done. Can you stay in a little late? And you have to look at that person and say, no, I'm sorry. I got date night tonight with my spouse. You got date night? Yeah, we do date night every week. Every week you do date night? You ain't trying to get this paper? You ain't trying to get this raise? No, I'm, I would love the raise. I would love the paper, but I just got a vision for the type of marriage that I want. And we do date night every week. I got a vision. I refuse to give my job and my career the best of me and then give my family the rest of me so you stay late if you want to I can't I got a vision you know how a vision will restrict you when your child comes up to you and they're eight years old and they say can I have a cell phone and be on TikTok no I'm so sorry you can't be on TikTok no not at eight years old why because I got a vision for the type of child I want to raise and I'm trying to raise somebody that's going to be a world changer I'm trying to raise somebody that'll turn the world upside down I'm trying to raise a child that doesn't have to deal with the drama and the trauma of navigating social media at a young age I'm trying to raise a child that will not think that your value is in how many views and that just because you got a bunch of likes that you are like I got a have you ever been restricted by a vision I feel like preaching now I know when you get that call and they're like turn up we're going to the Bahamas ball out can we go no we can't ball out this time I might have to catch you at the Bahamas next year why because I got a vision for my finances I got a vision I got to be a good steward for what God has put in my hand I refuse to die in debt and be a slave to MasterCard and not give the next generation something to hold on to. I got a vision. Well, hold on. They just got some donuts in the break room. Don't you want to get a couple dozen? No, I can't get them donuts. I'm going to chill with this kale smoothie. Why are you going to drink that kale smoothie? Because I got a vision for my health. I want to be here. If this is the only body I got and God's going to do something through this body, I got to steward it. I got to take care of it. Eat the donuts if you want, but I'm trying to do so. I 
Well, you ain't even got the six pack yet. You got a one pack. I know, but that's the power of a vision. It ain't here yet. But if I keep working my vision and I got some discipline of focus, you won't recognize me this time next year. Is there anybody in here that's ever been restricted by your vision? No wonder you have no direction for your life. You ain't got no vision. If you got a vision, you'll start getting clarity on what to say yes to, on what to say no to. The power of a vision. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Look at that. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. So think of it in reverse. When there is a vision... I have restraint. When I have no vision, whatever I want to do, that's cool. But when you have a clear vision, you're going to be restricted. You ain't going to come to the club tonight. I'm telling you, it's going to be popping. They in there. Ooh, I got a vision for the spouse I want. And they ain't going to be in the club. You, you got to have a vision. Your vision will bring restriction in your life because my vision determines my Decisions. Is this helping anybody in here today? Not only does my vision determine my decisions, but hear me. Vision gives mission distinction. My vision will bring a distinction to the mission God has on my life. You do know there's a difference between a vision and a mission. And when you get a clear vision, it'll bring distinction to the overall mission that God has given us as the body of Christ. Let me see if I can break it down like this. Um, uh, real quick, I, I'm, I'm count to three, count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to tell me your favorite place uh, to get chicken, okay? Your favorite fast food place to get chicken, okay? I'm gonna count to three. You say whatever you want now, okay? I'm gonna count to three, and I want you from the bottom to the top to online in your bathrobe. When I count to three, I want you to tell me your favorite fast food place to get chicken. When I count to three, okay, you ready? When I count to three, here we go. I ain't count to three yet. Your favorite place to get chicken. One, two, three. I heard a whole lot of tongues. I tell you what I heard the strongest. Chick-fil-A! That's what I heard the strongest. Few Popeyes in there, but I heard Chick-fil-A strongest. And because Chick-fil-A is the strongest and we're a generous church, I'm going to do this. Yeah, this is crazy, but it's Thanksgiving, tis the season. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bless everybody in here today with Chick-fil-A. Everybody going to get Chick-fil-A today only. Uh, today. <laughs> Go Chick-fil-A today, bring us the receipt, we got you. <laughs> Chick, chicken, chicken. Stay with me. Chick-fil-A is a chicken place. Uh, Raising Cane's. Popeyes, babes, uh, uh, let me see where the hood people at, Williams, <laughs> um, Rudy's, Halls, we, go, we be here all day. Some of y'all like, you know what, I gotta go. <laughs> okay. A multiplicity of places, and yet they all have the same mission. Their mission is clear. Get the people to chicken. They dying because they don't have chicken. They are in one accord on the mission. 
The mission is to get chicken out as fast as possible. This ain't a gourmet meal. As quick as possible, get the people the chicken. They're in one accord on their mission, but their vision is distinctly different. How crazy would you look pulling up at Popeye's and they give you your chicken sandwich and you stay in the parking lot? And they're like, what you doing? You holding up the line. Uh, excuse me, ain't you supposed to say my pleasure? <laughs> they go look at you and say, you don't get out this parking lot. That is not our vision for how we deliver chicken. We don't say my pleasure. We say, next. <laughs> Do you see the power of a vision? I'm saying that on Vision Sunday to let you know that the Capital C Church has been given a mission. We have been, the mission has not changed. It's right here in Matthew chapter 28. These are the last words of Jesus. This is the mission. Therefore, go. Somebody say go. go. Say it with your chest. Say go. go. I wish somebody would just take that word right there. Go. Do something. God did not save you for you to just come to church and sit on your blessed assurance and do nothing. How many of you know God is a God of action? He's a God of moving. Two thirds of his name is go. He called you to do something. He didn't call you to be stuck in cycles and be stagnant. You were created on purpose for a purpose and somebody needs to not wait till 2024 to say this is my year to go. I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of just writing about it. I need to Go. If you're going to go back to school, go. If you're going to start the business, go. If you're going to minister to that loved one, go. Somebody with faith, would you just shout, go? Stop walking in circles, doing the same thing every day. Go! I'm sorry. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our mission as the church to go make disciples. He does it again in Matthew chapter 15. Look at what it says, Matthew 15, verse 16. This is a different passage, but same commission. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the, all the, why, y'all, why don't y'all just give me full participation the first time? <laughs> he says, go into all the world. That's the where. And preach the gospel. That's the what. To all creation. That's the who. But notice we don't get the how. The reason... He doesn't give us the how in scripture. It's because I am going to give you a unique creative vision to accomplish my overall mission in the earth. And that vision will be as unique as the giftings and the callings that are on the inside of you. This isn't in my nose, but I feel like telling somebody, don't ever say you're just anything. You are not just anything. Whatever your sphere of influence is, God wants to use that to make disciples, to bring people into the kingdom. Don't ever say I'm just a teacher. You are not just a teacher. You are God's representative in that classroom so the classroom can see what does Jesus look like when Jesus teaches a class. Don't ever say I'm just
just a doctor. You are not just a doctor. You are God's representative in the medical field. So the medical field can see what does Jesus look like when Jesus checks you in. Don't ever say, I'm just a lawyer. You are not just a lawyer. You are God's representative in the law field. So the law field can see what does Jesus look like when Jesus takes your case. Don't ever say, you just a stay-at-home mom. You are not just a stay-at-home mom. You are God's representative in that house, raising a warrior, raising a world changer, raising somebody that's God's spirit is going to be poured on in the last days and that child will represent Jesus and that's cool. Never say I'm just a barista. You are not just a barista. You are God's representative in the coffee world so the coffee world can see what does Jesus look like when he pours a triple grande mocha frappuccino with extra whipped cream. You have been given a unique vision for your mission. I feel like I'm preaching better than y'all are talking in here today. He doesn't give the how because he wants all of us to flow in the unique vision that God has given us. This is the beauty of the church. I'm glad there's so many churches. We need more healthy, gospel preaching, Bible believing, strong doctrine, spirit filled, hand clapping, devil stomping churches. Because every church will have a unique vision and expression of the overall mission. And by the way, since I used the metaphor, I have never seen the owner of Chick-fil-A in the parking lot of Popeye's talking about, I wouldn't go in there. You know, we do chicken better over here. I've never seen the manager of Raising Cane's writing a blog. Time to fight with somebody else that has a different vision. They just want to... I'm trying to help some of y'all not be petty in 2024. I don't got time to hate on you. I don't got time to critique you. I'm trying to focus on the vision God has given me and do what he put me on this earth to do. I ain't got time to hate on your vision. I'm too busy frying my chicken. So sick. We got people got whole careers. I don't like the way they do chicken. So let me do a YouTube channel. And why their chicken is messed up. I just know there's hungry people who will wait in line and do whatever is needed to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which brings me to my text. My text today. Time will not really give me the opportunity to excavate all the treasures that are in Jeremiah chapter 29. I wish I had the time. But you have to understand that in Jeremiah chapter 29, let's specifically deal with verse number 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I love it because the first time I read it, I heard all the, mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that verse of all the scripture might be one of the most out of context used scriptures <laughs> in the entire Bible. <laughs> Maybe second to, I can do all things. <laughs> Through Christ who strengthens me. That's you with that credit card form. I can do all things. Let, it, let me get it, Lord. Let me get approved. Don't decline it. I can do all things. That ain't what Paul was talking about. Paul was in a prison. Paul was in a prison for preaching the gospel. That's where he wrote, I can do all things. He wasn't in the palace. When he said, I can do all things, he was saying, if I could preach this gospel unchained, 
I can do all things in preacher chain. If I could preach this gospel with no whips on my back, I can preach it even with whips in my back. He's talking about trial, tribulation, suffering. That's what he said. I can do all things. He ain't talking about doing bench press. So that's one we use out of context, and this is the one we use out of context too. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. First of all, before I even give you the context, let's really, let's really analytically, critically think about that verse right there. For I know the plan. Who is the I? God. God is the I. Who knows the plan? Why are we shouting about this verse? He said he knows the plan. Nowhere in this verse <laughs> did he say he's going to disclose that plan or let you know when <laughs> it's going to come to pass. All he's going to guarantee is going to be good. <laughs> it's like the gift you get from your grandma that's wrapped nice. You're like, oh God, <laughs> I don't know what's in it. He does not tell you what the plan is. He just lets you know that he knows it. Come on, I'm going to make a real plan for some of y'all. Come on, some of y'all, imagine, imagine if you're a single lady and you're trying to get married and somebody comes up to you and says, I know the man God has for you. He has plans not to harm you, lives and prosper. He's going to give you a home in a Ferrari. If somebody came to you and said, you'd be like, okay, who, who is he? I can't tell you, but I know the man. You know how annoyed you would be? Like, yo, if you know, say something. God never guarantees that he's going to tell you the plan, how it's going to unfold. And that is critical in this verse of scripture because you have to understand Jeremiah is writing to a people who have been taken from their home. The children of Israel in 586 BC have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. They have been dragged from their home and forced to live in another city. Imagine somebody coming into your house on Thanksgiving Day and taking you captive and forcing you to live in another city. This is the context of this verse. They have been held hostage. They're in a foreign land. Now what is critical to understand is when they are in this foreign land, a prophet, chapter 28, read it when you get to the crib, named Hananiah says the word that everybody wants to hear. Don't worry, God will deliver us. We're only gonna be in Babylon for two years. Everybody relax. You're going to get out of here. Thus saith the Lord. And he was prophesying. God didn't say that. Matter of fact, he said it. And God killed him. For lying on his name. Don't you just wish God would bring that back? I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm kidding. He declares, we're only going to be here two years. Thus saith the Lord. And then God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, tell my people, this will not be two years. You're going to be there 70 years. He says, tell my people that although King Nebuchadnezzar is the one that took them captive, it was not the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. It was actually my sovereign hand. This is frustrating because it is the tension between God's permissive will and God's divine will. That God says, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's the one taking you captive, but it's not really Nebuchadnezzar. 
I am using Nebuchadnezzar to get your attention. I've been trying to get you to pay attention. And I know you don't like this because this doesn't shout well, but I'm telling you, God will take you through whatever he needs to take you through to get your attention. He said, yes, you're going to be in captivity, and yes, it's going to be rough, but guess what? I'm still going to have my hand on you, even while you're in the captivity, but there's something I'm trying to get out of you that you couldn't get if you weren't in captivity, and somebody in here can testify to the fact that sometimes God will take you through some stuff to get your attention he'll let them walk away he'll let them break your heart he'll let you have to file for bankruptcy because he's trying to get your attention and here they are in captivity and God says guess what I know you're in a bad situation and you want to get out but my hand is still on you he said you're going to be here a long time so here's what I need you to do get comfortable he says, build houses. He says, plant gardens. He says, get married. Have community. Have a family. He said, I want you in the city. Why? Because I'm, you don't understand this. I, God loves Babylon. God loves Atlanta. God loves Dallas. God loves Detroit. God loves Whatever city, because those cities are filled with people. God loves cities more than he loves country, because in the country is more animals than people. And God loves people more than he loves animals. Don't kill me, Peter. He does. And so he says, I know the prophets are telling you to run away. I'm saying, no, since you're in the city, build a house. Maybe build a house of presence a house of prayer, a house for people. Since you're in the city anyway. He says, don't decrease in number, increase in number and go from venue to venue, from Strauss to Gillies to Winspear Opera House to Fair Park. He says, I, I want you to increase in number since you're in the city anyway, build a house. Then he says, because I love the city. Don't conform to the ideology of that city. I want you to be in it, but not of it. I want you to operate in the city like an ambassador. An ambassador goes from country A into country B to represent the value systems of country A. And they love the city that they're in, but they're fully aware that that city is not their home. They're an ambassador in that city. And it is their job to infiltrate that city and to change the culture and to show a different value system of the city. So when everybody else in the city is being unfaithful and their marriages are falling apart, I want you to be in the city and show them how a marriage can come together. When everybody else his kids don't want to worship God in that city. I want you to infiltrate the city and show how a generation, no matter what age, can lift up holy hands to God and serve him in righteousness. When everybody else in that city is stingy with their money because they think it's theirs, I want you to be in that city and understand that everything you have is a gift from me. So let your life be an open channel and a conduit of my goodness. When everybody else in that city says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and they got bitterness and unforgiveness, 
says, I want you to be nice to nasty people and forgive them anyway and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When everybody else in that city has no integrity, I want you to stand and have character and have integrity. I'm looking for you to be a light in the midst of the darkness. I know you don't want to be in the city, but I called you to the city for such a time as this. This is why God loves Dallas. This is why we need social Dallas. Because God has put us in this city to represent our true home, which is heaven. And to shift and change the culture and the values of the city in which we live. This is our challenge and this is our charge as a church. To be light in the midst of darkness. Do y'all know how Social Dallas, at least the name, you know where it was really birthed? You know how it got started? Social girls? Eh, that's what some people think. <laughs> Do you know where social really got started? Social, at least the name. If you go on my phone and you search social church, the first thing that's going to come up is something that happened in 2018. I don't know that I've ever told this story, but you're welcome. It's Vision Sunday. <laughs> And my wife and I, we were in a hotel. Babe, come up here. Let's, let's reenact it. We were uh, in a hotel in 2018. You remember that? And we were serving at the church that launched us, Trinity Church, and you were a part of the coffee team. And we're laying in bed, and our little Remy was in between us, and we had to talk. And so we're communicating through text. Parents know what I'm talking about. We got a newborn in between us, and here we are texting to each other while we're in the bed. I still got the text messages. I want to show you how vision starts. Can, can y'all put those text messages on the screen? This is July 6, 2018. We're serving at the church that launched us, Trinity Church. She's on the coffee team, and she's thinking of a name for the coffee team to change it. And let's look at what it says. Babe, let's, let's reenact it. Come, you want me to read it? Yeah, come close okay. by me. Okay. What do you think about this name for coffee shop, Social Coffee House? Love it. It's new, unique, yeah, and makes sense. Shoot, that's a good church name, Social Church. It just came to me, but I can't tell if it's dumb or if it's really good. <laughs> yes, wow, nothing's changed since 2018. <laughs> I think so too, because you will hear people say, yeah, he, she is super social. <laughs> Common word that's used to create community. My Lord, I love it. <laughs> Shoot. I really do love it. Just search. There's no church with that name. There's a book with that title. Really? Yep. They have the website handle too. I love the name too. It's like so cool, makes sense, doesn't seem to try too hard, but gets the point across in one word, socialchurch.com. Oh, Bloop. crickets. What if we did socialchurch.org? Yeah, that would work. Start in Dallas, then launch Social SoCal in Orange County. Hey! hey! Mama, you just came up with our church name. Heyo. I don't want no one to get it. <laughs> Social church. How can we go ahead and reserve it? Y'all, that's how our church name came about. Here's the question.
question. How does a text message conversation with my little one in between us in 2018 turn into this right here? Vision. God will give you a vision sometimes when you don't even have the full picture of the words to articulate what it is. But he will birth a vision in your heart or through a text thread. And you'll step into it years later and say, I didn't know this was in that. Yeah. And how many know we still don't know all that God has in store for social? Watch this. June 2nd, 2019 was the first time we gathered. We officially launched as a church on Easter Sunday, 2021. God's been writing the story and we're just getting started. Somebody give God some praise if you're thankful God is still writing the story. If you're thankful that God loves Dallas and he's expanding our reach. On Vision Sunday, I'm so happy to announce to you that next year, we won't just be at Gillies. We will have services happening simultaneously at Echo Lounge. It's going to be incredible. We're making more room at the table. But can I keep it 100 with you? Can I be honest? That's the only way I know how to be. That's not what I wanted to announce. You know what I wanted to announce? We're going to build it! I'm not saying we do. That's, that's what I want. how you cheered louder? I wish <laughs> I wish that was an announcement. Hear my heart. Behind the scenes so many different meetings. So many different places that look, oh this could work and it falls through. Oh this could work. And, uh, and to be honest I said, Lord this is horrible. 
We're going to go back to Gillies and just have another location? That's not epic. I don't want to stay. This is Babylon. <laughs> but he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Do you know when we were at Granada Theater that holds a good 500 people? We were looking at it saying, dang, wouldn't it be cool to buy this one day? A building that would only fit this little section right here. <laughs> I say that to somebody that what you really wanted hasn't come to pass yet. And you're wondering, God, why? You don't have a clue what he's going to do in the future. It's going to be good. Some of, some of you, the problem is your dream is actually too small for what he's about to do. And it's like, stop tripping. It's, I got something bigger. God has something so much bigger. But it's our job to trust in the waiting that he's got a hope and he's got a future. Here's what I'm asking in this season of our church because of what God is doing. There's got to be a shift from you being a consumer of social to being connected to social. There's a difference between being a consumer and just coming and saying, yeah, and that's great. The sermon was about a five today. I love the worship. Consumer, me, to actually being connected. Do you know the power of something that's connected? Let me show you the power of something connected. Josh, can you just play anything on that guitar? Anything. pretty good. Give it up for Pastor Josh. He's so talented. I bet you don't know no Brian McKnight. That's my song. Do I ever cross your mind anytime? Do you ever wake up preaching now for me? Do I ever cross your mind anytime? I miss you. Let's redeem it. Let your glory fill the room. That's powerful. But Josh, I, that's great. But Josh, can you play that? Play that with this. It's six strings on that guitar. I got six guitar strings right here. P play it. That's all you got. Not as good. Because not connected. What makes the sound powerful, what makes us hear the melody in the city, is strings who will be connected. And not loosely connected, but to be so tightly connected that they live in the tension of being connected to a body. Six strings unconnected give you a ding. Six strings tightly connected can play whatever song you want to hear. Six strings. I wish our church name had like six letters in it. 
I wish I had six. I wish I had like woo, six letters that were six values that defined us as a church that we're going to stay connected to. I wish we had a church that would serve with passion because we understand that God has been so good to us and we serve with passion. I wish I had a church in Dallas that would operate in generosity. I wish there was a church in Dallas that would create with excellence. I wish there was a church in Dallas that would set the temperature when they walk in a room and influence with hope. I wish there was a church in Dallas that people had an attitude of joy. I wish there was a church in Dallas that would lead with love and that we would be known in this city as a church that loves people like Jesus loves people. Those are the strings I want to be connected to. I wish we could live in the tension of those strings right there. What does it mean to serve with passion? I'm so glad you asked. We are servants first. Ain't no celebrities at Social Dallas, just some servants who say we want to serve Jesus and serve people. We are servants first from the parking lot to the stage. Everything we do, we do it with passion. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have passion for Jesus, passion for people, and passion for his church. What does it mean to operate in generosity? I'll tell you, we are generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. We are constantly looking for opportunities to go first in our giving. God has abundantly given to us. It is our honor to give back to him. What does it mean to create with excellence? We are creatives who believe excellence is always worth the extra effort. We show up on time, fully engaged and prepared. We can't be careless. We do this in Jesus' name so we do it with excellence what does it mean to influence with hope we understand we are the influencers we've been waiting for with Jesus as our hope and heaven as our home we are always asking not what's the worst that could happen what's the best that could happen what does it mean to have an attitude of joy we are aware that our attitude set the atmosphere regardless of how we feel Joy is our choice. What does it mean to lead with love? I tell you, we are leaders committed to loving all people because God loves, watch this, you fill in the blank. Fill in the blank for whoever you want to put in that blank because guess what? Whatever name you put in the blank, that is somebody that is made in the image of God and is loved by God. So we're going to spend the rest of our lives making more room at the table. Why? Because God loves Dallas. I want to be a church that's defined by those values. I don't want to be a church where I just come in as a consumer. Say, what can they do for me? I want to put my hand to the plow. Say, what can I do? Have you noticed that Jesus never said to pray for the harvest? Read it when you get to the crib. He didn't say pray for the harvest. No, 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 no. He said, pray for the laborers. He said, the harvest is plentiful. It's just hard to find people who will get connected. Everybody wants to be their own loose string and do you. And then you wonder why it's not popping. Because you're not connected. When the strings get connected, our city will hear a sound and will turn the world upside down. Want some more good news? We've always ended our year, every single year, by truly operating in generosity. And we're going to do the same this year.
Again, the church you're sitting in started in 2021. And I just want to show you how we live out the core value of operating generosity. We're committed to reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see it. We don't just talk about it, we do it. In 2021, total given away from a young church just started $192,600. Okay, keep it pause, pause, don't show that. We launched Easter of 2021, and that's how much a baby church gave away last year, 2022. We gave $355,360 to outreach missions. And this year, because God always knows how to take you to a whole nother level, we are projected this year, watch this, to give $835,246. I'm wondering what next year and next year and next year is going to look like. Because God is just looking for somebody to fill in the blanks. I said it year 2021. I said this church will give away millions of dollars. I wanted to show you just some of the organizations that we've been able to partner with because of your generosity. A21, that's abolishing human trafficking. Acts 2, that's restoring churches all over the globe. Convoy of Hope, we don't wait when a disaster comes to take up an offering. How many know 10% of every dollar we have put aside ready to give? So we gave to the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. We gave to the fires in Maui. We gave in the war in Israel and Gaza. We've given to Dream Center Dallas, to the Father's House Church, to forgiven felons. So when you watch the sermon on Pando, you can come out of the prison system and get a job and get training and get discipleship. We gave to the Hennessy Foundation that's helping people get their first home. We gave to Lonesome Dove Ranch that helped children in the foster care system find a place. We've given to place after place. Next week, I'm going to show you the church that your generosity helped build in Nigeria, okay? It's going to... It cost us to be on Pando, but it's worth every single penny because of the salvations we've seen and the fruit. We gave to Radiant Church Tampa. We gave to RIP Medical Debt and abolished over $2 million worth of debt for individuals. We've given to Rock City Church and Southwestern Assemblies of God University, and there's so much more we have yet to do. God is just looking for somebody to say, you know what? I see the vision. I'm going to stay connected. I'm not going to be a consumer. How can I be a consumer? Look at what God has done in just this short amount of time. I wonder what he has in store for us in the future. So on this Vision Sunday, we're going to end this year the way we've always ended the year. First of all, we're going to take up our general offering, but this year we're going to end with what we're calling the God Loves Dallas offering. Because we have to expand. How many know for us to go to another venue, there's cost associated to that, but because God loves this city. Hear me, I'm not waiting for a building to pop up and then start a campaign. How awesome would it be if we were just generous and sowing and say, hey, when the building is here, we already prepared because we believe in what God's doing and we're sowing into good ground. So this is our moment. We specifically put this at the end for a reason to take up our general offering. There's ways to give on the screen. And there's a QR code on the front. But I want you to see something that's on every seat. 
on every seat, you'll see a God Loves Dallas offering envelope. And you're also gonna see this card. And at the top of it, it says, God loves blank. And you can tear that part off. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm never gonna tell you what to give, but I will ask you to pray as to what God would have you to give. I'm so thankful for all of you who faithfully sow and you faithfully tie, but this is just a way at the end of the year for us to say we're going to go above and beyond the tithe because we believe in the vision of this house. Some of you might say, hey, I already know what I want to do and I want to do it today. And you can give to the God Loves Dallas campaign on the drop down. But I want you to take it home and pray about it. and Just say, hey, Lord, because of what you're doing in this city through this church, what should I do? I'm just asking you to pray. People who operate in the kingdom understand that everything that they have belongs to God. And so on December 17th, we are going to receive this offering. Our family is praying about what we're going to give. I want you to pray about it. And December 17th, we're actually hoping to be right back here. It's going to be a massive Christmas service. Get ready. It's going to be incredible. And that's when we'll receive this specific God Loves Dallas offering but here's probably my favorite part on this and this part you can fill out now or if you want to do it later that's fine on this top part that says God loves blank I want you to put a name of somebody that you are believing to have a radical encounter with Jesus whoever that name is and I want you to put it in the offering buckets when they pass them in a moment because we want to start covering these names with prayer and we are going to stand in awe and watch that a name that you put in the blank is going to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and we want to be praying with whoever you want to put in the blank the second half of it is a faith pledge of saying hey I I pledge to give this by December 17th if you want to put that in there as well or if you just want to wait and say I'm going to pray as to what the Lord would have me give on December 17th here's what I'm dreaming of that everybody that calls Social Dallas home would participate in this God Loves Dallas offering that you would seek God and say God what, it is, what is it that you want me to do and that everybody would participate because we believe that God loves this city and there's so much more he wants to do. Anybody believe that? Would you give God some praise in this place today? The worship team's gonna come back out as you take a moment. The buckets will be passing. Like I said, if you wanna pause and say, I wanna pray about this and bring it back on the 17th, but I'm asking that nobody leave until the offering is completely done. The worship team is going to lead us in a song that I believe is a prophetic declaration. The God of this city has greater things for us.